Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Ag Newsmaker interview. I'm Lori Boyer. Today, I check in with the Colorado Farm Bureau. Joining me for our discussion is Austin Vincent, and he is the General Counsel and and Director of State Affairs for the Colorado Farm Bureau. Thanks for joining me. First off, Austin, this should be a good conversation today. Yes, thank you, Lori. I'm happy to be joining you today. This is a topic that comes up quite often when we start talking about the new legislative session in Colorado, which isn't that far away now. So let's talk about anticipated pesticide legislation and what you're hearing and and maybe what we'll be seeing. Yes. So we are just as far away from the session as the session is long, but um, already looking at what we're going to be dealing with this next year. And like you said, pesticide is going to be a huge issue this year. Uh, was already anticipated to be a uh, a big pesticide bill year, as it is the pesticide applicator sunset review. And so, what the pesticide sunset applicator sunset pesticide applicator sunset review does is it reviews the pesticide applicator's license and statute um, and see if there's any changes that need to be made. Um, however, because of last year with the Protect People and Pollinators bill, a lot of those issues that we saw in that bill that ultimately died was tied into the sunset review this last summer and many questions about local control, whether or not CDA is regulating pesticides properly, or, and also if there are any other pesticides that need to be regulated were questions that were on that sunset review. So we are anticipating seeing those issues tied into the applicator bill, um, but really feel confident that we'll, we'll be able to get those out of the bill. The only thing is we are also anticipating that um, it will still be spun off into another pesticide bill. So very confident that we're going to be dealing with that uh, with that issue, and we'll be reaching out to our, our members and our, our professionals out in the uh out in the agricultural country to come and provide testimony on how that would impact you guys there on the farm and on the ranch. Okay. Is it typical to have that much stuff tacked into that bill? Typically, no. So during the sunset reviews, they're usually very uh, narrow and focused and specifically what the the statute does. And what that statute specifically does is, is allow for licensing of pesticide applicators and so for it to be uh, for it to be expanded would be very uh, uncommon, uh, but we do know that the advocates are trying to tack on these issues anywhere that they can. And so, um, yeah, it's not very common, no. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about animal welfare. I've heard uh, a few people, a couple of commissioners out here, also concerned that we might see animal welfare legislation or proposed legislation come back up again next year? We, we dealt with it last year. As I, as I said before, there was a, an effort that was ultimately killed before even the bill was introduced. Uh, but it did. That bill was, uh, are concerned, accepted animal husband, husbandry practices and wanting to put in statute uh, best management practices or the gold standard of livestock uh, herdsman standards. However, um, this year we have heard rumblings as well as there was a, an incident recently where there was a DU professor that brought up the need for putting these accepted animal husbandry practices in statute. Um, so that's why we, we, we still believe that there's going to be an effort. We don't know exactly what that effort might be. It might be the same one as last year. 
Um, but with the, the election 32 days away, a lot of the legislators are keeping quite quiet uh, with what their plans are with the next session. So we'll probably be seeing something or at least hearing more about it after the November elections and very prepared to, to start that discussion. But don't exactly know what that animal welfare legislation will be. We just we have a strong feeling it's, it's going to be coming up. Okay. All right. And let's see. I could ask you more questions on that, but I'm not sure that you would know much more on what it might look like or who might be behind it this time. Yeah, well, I will say, while we don't know who exactly might not, might, or will be behind it, we have been seeing some of the animal activist groups um, getting lobbyists here in the state, and we don't know whether that's a pet or a livestock issue, and so that's what brings some concern. And we do know last year's um, entity that brought the Accepted Animal Husbandry Practices Bill um, concept up is connected to the, the DU law professor. And so, um, so we're pretty confident we know where the, the entity that is bringing this might be up, but we don't know who legislatively might be accepting the, the, the bill to, to run. Okay. All right. Austin, let's talk about uh, one of the things really making a lot of headlines here in our ag news across the whole country. And this is a Supreme Court case that has a lot to do with the future of the waters of the U.S. And so let's talk about this family and what they're going through in Idaho. Yeah, so the Supreme Court started their term listening to the Sackett versus EPA case. And so the background of that case uh, started way back in 2007, where a, the family, both Michael and Chantel Sackett, were building a house next to a lake in Idaho. And as they were breaking ground to, to start building this house, the EPA came, uh, the Corps of Engineers came and told them that they needed to stop all activities on the land as it was likely to be regulated regulated under the Clean Water Act um, and would require a permit because it had, quote, navigable waters on it as there was a wetland nearby. And so the case hinges, or the case is, Mainly, like you said, it was about, it's about the Clean Waters Act and the definition of navigable waters, which includes the definition of waters of the United States, which has been something that we have argued and, and litigated about ever since the inception of the term and statute in the 1970s. Um, but here, what they're trying to determine is whether the significant nexus test is the proper test to determine whether or not wetlands are covered by the Clean Water Act and would require a permit. Um, and so during the, the oral arguments, it was, it was nice to hear that justices on both sides of the ideological spectrum had some concern with the significant nexus test, uh, mainly around concern of how a regulated entity or regulated person will definitively know whether or not their land is regulated under the Clean Water Act. And so, um, it did not seem like every all the justices were fully on board with the petitioner's test that is much more clear and would allow for a a more understandable test to be to be used in determining whether wetlands are are covered or not but um but we will be we do expect a opinion early next year uh, on this case and it'd be huge for farmers and ranchers because it would at least give us as, the, as a regulated industry, some certainty in understanding what land and what water might be regulated and, uh, or not 
Gosh, it seems like a long time to make a decision on what an adjacent waterway is. Yes. No, the the wheels of justice do not turn very fast. (laughs) My goodness. (laughs) And that is what's at issue, if I understand right, you correct me if I'm wrong, that the Sacketts live in Idaho, they want to develop a piece of property, and the property is across the road from a pond or a lake or something. And they're not being allowed to get the permit to do that because the EPA, I guess, or I'm not sure who, is saying that it's an adjacent waterway and they can't develop it. Yes, ma'am, that's exactly right. And to, to further the explanation and, and well, kind of the, the wildness of this case is that they are close to Priest Lake, um, but the way that the Corps of Engineers, which, which is under the EPA and these determinations, um, said that they are connected to this navigable, navigable water is that there is a ditch that goes into Priest Lake that runs by the Sackett's property. And on the other side of the ditch from the Sackett's property, there is a wetland. But on the Sackett side, um, they, were, they are claiming that there was, there was not a wetland or a marsh. Um, and that there is a a definitive difference between the wetland on the other side of the man-made ditch and the road to to their property, but the Corps is saying that no, that is a uh, wetland and a navigable water. Okay. But I will say too, it does impact. Sorry, mm-hmm. I was just say it does impact yeah. the waters waters of the United States rulemaking that the administration is going through right now, um, and there have been calls for the administration to halt. The, the drafting of this rule as it might have to be changed when the Supreme Court comes up with their their opinion next year. That is a good point. I am glad you brought that up because that's out there too. If they mm-hmm. move forward with making those rules and we might end up having to remake those rules again after they've already been turned and overturned and yeah, even more mess. Yes. Even more taxpayer costs. All right. Exactly. Well, Austin, we're out of time today. Good conversation. I figured this would be. So thank you so much for doing this. Yes. No, thank you, Lori. It's always a pleasure getting to talk with you and always happy to come back. Austin Vincent, General Counsel and Director of State Affairs for the Colorado Farm Bureau. My guest, I'm Lori Boyer.